This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is May 31st, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, I'm Rob Usden, and I was at Hofstra Radio from 1987 to 1990. And can you tell me about some of the shows that you worked on at the station? So I definitely did, did probably, I mean, I did shifts of probably almost any of the regular shows. So I did classics from Hofstra. I did uh, just jazz. I'm sure I probably filled in on New Age Images. Um, I had a regular airwave shift. Um, and I think that that would be the main stuff. I don't remember doing anything on the weekends, really, with the specialty shows. So, Okay. And did you have any titles or positions of management? Um, so I was music director uh, for 88 to 89. Um, and then 89 to 90. And that'll actually get into like a really uh, interesting story. Um, because I applied for program director for 89 to 90. Um, and I did not get it. And mm-hmm. um, I believe it was Rich Radabali who got it. I, I'm trying to remember rack my brain. But um, so this is this is kind of a Jeff story. Um, so what happened was I was very involved with the station and um, I didn't get any position uh, initially for 89 to 90. And so Jeff being Jeff and, you know, looking back, I kind of uh, like understand Jeff better. Like he kind of looked at and said, huh, you know, Rob, I'm going to give you this position. And he gave me a position that didn't exist call which which was assistant program director and i'm like really okay and that was kind of weird but looking back it was like well you know i you know i was so involved and i think that he kind of looked at it like you know i don't want to lose rob as like an involved staff member so let me give him this and we'll go from there and see how that works you know um so I got, I had that title and Jeff sent out a memo, um, you know, outlining, this is what this will entail. And, um, so for about the first half of the fall semester, I was with that title. And then, um, the, um, the, the person who was the program operations director, um, uh, resigned and, uh, Jeff said, Oh, well, you should take program operations director. I'm like, okay, great. So, um, so I don't know if you remember what program operations director did. Um, so that was the person who got all of the reel to reel tapes for all the shows and made sure that ever, all the pre recorded shows were, you know, in the studio on air and all that. So, uh, so I did that for the rest of my senior year. Okay. I, I love the idea of a assistant program director. I know now they have, a program director for music and a program director for talk. But I love the idea that there, there would be someone to work in concert with the PD. And did, do you remember anything about how Jeff outlined the position? You know, I think he kind of borrowed things from like a little bit from the program director and a little bit from the program operations, program operations director and a little bit of, I don't know what else it's been so long. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's a testament to Jeff to say, you know, here's a, here's someone who's really involved and, you know, he kind of, he understood that, you know, for a senior and, you know, maybe not having a position and, you know, wanting a position and, you know, all that he, I guess I think that he kind of understood, you know, to keep, you know, people involved, 
maybe he had to do, you know, things like that to kind of keep him, you know, keep him engaged. So, um, mm. so that's, uh, that, that's neat. And it's, uh, it, you're right. When people get involved, there's some sort of, I don't know, not reward, but a payoff, I guess. And, and I think uh, talking to Sue Zizza or, or, or maybe someone else, uh, pointed out that Jeff managed to get all of us to do these things and most of it wasn't paid. You wanted that, that right. title, their right. position, that was enough payoff in some cases. So, um, it's an interesting motivation system. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? So when I was on the air for anything except for Airwave, I used my real name. Um, for Airwave, I used Sparky Roberts. And the Sparky came from a nickname that a friend uh, at home had given me, you know, like Sparky from MASH, like, you know, with on the radio. Uh, so that's where I got that nickname. And then I said, oh, I'll just use that on the air for Airwave just because Airwave was kind of the you know, the, 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 the fun show to do. So, so I use that. Okay. You weren't uh, protecting yourself from the audience or anything like that. No, no, it was just, it was literally just to, to, you know, to have some fun, you know? So. Okay. Um, so I like to ask this as a, as a two part question and answer, however it makes sense to you, but what first brought you to the radio station and then if you could describe it for those of us who weren't there, maybe people that you met or what it looked like, or if it was an open house event, uh, what was it like when you first approached the station? Okay. So what brought me to the station was, um, I was going to be a communications major. Um, I actually did not go to Hofstra my freshman year. Um, I went to, uh, Bryant University. And, um, you know, I had graduated high school thinking I was going to go major in computer science, business, computer information systems, whatever that was. And so I, I went uh, there and I had had a little bit of um, experience doing TV production in high school. We had a cable access station that had shows run by the by high school kids and so it's like this is kind of cool and i also kind of grew up always loving music and um always loving djs growing up in you know in new jersey um uh everybody from um you know dan ingram and imus and howard stern all the way till when wplj went top 40 mm -hmm. and when z100 came on the air uh, i mean like scott shannon was like you know uh almost an idol to me. Um, so I, I loved all of that radio stuff. I listened to American top 40. So I went to Bryant and I'm like, ah, I'm doing the computer thing. And then I went to the radio station there and I did an on air shift there, but the radio station there was kind of just a student activity. Yes. It was like over the air, but it was just a student activity. You could play whatever you wanted. You could do whatever you wanted on the air for, for the most part. And I realized no, I, I love all this stuff. Uh, you know, I love, you know, doing top, I love top 40 radio. I love looking at the billboard charts, all of that stuff. And so I'm like, no, I got to transfer and go be a communications major. Hmm. So, um, so when I came to Hofstra, um, it was with the intent of I'm a communications major radio is what I want to do as a career. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's what really brought me, 
uh, to WRHU. It was it was the communications angle. Um, and I'm sure that when we were looking at the at the colleges to transfer to, I'm sure that we got a tour of the station at that point. But I don't remember, you know, I, I probably, you know, they probably just you know, breeze you through. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so 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 that's kind of how I ended up at Hofstra um, uh, and well, at WRHU. Well, sorry to interrupt, but you you no. you grew up in the New York area. Were you uh, a Long Islander? How did you hear about Hofstra? So, I mean, uh, I have relatives who live on the island, um, but really what it was was, okay, you're going to major in communications. Let's look at all the colleges that are, you know, good for communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of them was Hofstra. Um, you know, Hofstra, even back then, had a reputation for being a good communications school. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, Hofstra was the only choice, but I think it was the best choice, you know, and I, and I grew up in New Jersey. So going out to Long Island and I had relatives out there was not a, you know, not a big deal. So, um, so, you know, certainly knew the Island, uh, as well. So, okay. So, so you transfer from Bryant to Hofstra and then you start, I guess that would have been your, your second semester in school, what, what actually got you to the station? Was there a, an open house meeting or did you just find the station and go there? So it was my sophomore year. So I, I did a whole year at, at Bryant first and then mm-hmm. I came in my sophomore year. So, um, so I, you know, I, I went to the radio station probably on the first day of classes, if I can remember. And, you know, even before they had like an open meeting for people to work at the station or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, I'm here. I, I, you know, I'm a communications major. I want to do radio. Um, you know, um, what do I, you know, what do I need to do? Um, so, um, you know, I go down, I'm, I went to the main office and, you know, I'm looking around there's all these people here and there's Jeff over in the corner, you know, being all intimidating Jeff, because when you first meet him, you, you know, that's, that's your initial impression Mm -hmm. of Jeff. Um, and they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're going to have this meeting. I'm like, no, no, no. I already have an FCC license because nice. um, I've been at, you know, uh, another uh, college and I got my FCC license. And they're like, oh, oh, because at the beginning of the semester, you know, it's always a scramble to find people to do shows because people have graduated and left. And then, you know, they're, they're you know, everybody who's still there. Um, is trying to fill everything in until you get the next, you know, the, the next batch of new recruits, so to speak. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I, and I don't remember who exactly I met, but I remember that somebody said, oh, well, you know, l- let's see if we can get you, you know, kind of, you know, uh, fast tracked because, you know, the basics probably of how to be how to how things operate. You just need to learn our equipment and. You know, you just have to go through, uh, you know, uh, training, you know, in the studio. Um, but maybe we can, you know, th- move things along a little quicker, you know, knowing that, you know, they need they needed some extra help already. Hmm. Um, so um, so we and then they're like, well, you, you know, there's other stuff to do. And I'm like, well, OK, I'm into the music thing. They're like, oh, go to go to the music department and go talk to, to Tim and Butch. Um, which is Tim McDonald and Jeff Raspy. Um, and they're like, Oh, go, go talk to, go talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, um, you know, going down and, and going and seeing all of this um, was more mind blowing than where I had been because at Bryant, it was like uh, honor studio, production studio, small office with maybe two desks and record library. And then I come down to WRHU and there's the big office, you know, which was like a bullpen of desks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, you know, that hall right down from the office. uh, And this is under uh, Bits and Bytes and Memorial Hall. Um, There's the hall and there was the the music office. Um, There was the classical music office. Uh, There was another office, which Sue Zizza used a lot, which I think had like a second desk in it. And there was on the other side of the hall, there was another room type office um, that I remember had a couple of reel to reel machines in it. That was mm-hmm. basically like the news editing because the reel to reel machines had a headphone jack this way. If they were just editing, um, you know, news uh, clips and stuff like that, then uh, then they didn't have to go and use the production studios. And then there was the another room that was like the overflow record library. So um so I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on here. This is not like what I, you know, what I had been exposed to before, which is really cool. Um, you know, th- it was really cool to see all of this. Um, so um, I remember going into the music office and, you know, I don't remember who introduced me that, hey, this is Tim. This is, you know, this is Butch. And they're like oh new new person wants to help out with the music stuff and they're like oh cool you know um and they're sitting there and i don't remember you know what exactly they were listening to but they're like okay cool you know do you know this band i'm like oh well uh, i don't i don't really know that that band because when uh w- with college radio even though WRHU, of course, had all those different programs. Mm-hmm. You know, college radio was really the kind of place where uh, a lot of people went to, you know, to, to to handle like new music, you know, so alternative or back then, you know, what was known as modern rock, um, like what was on WLIR, which became WDRE. So they're like naming this band and that, but I'm like, nah, I'm kind of into more like pop music, top 40, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, uh, you know, uh, Duran Duran, they're like, oh, well, okay. Oh, Duran Duran's kind of still on that, you know, that new wave side. And, you know, we're like going through like different bands and I'm like, oh, I feel kind of out of place because they're all into all these like bands that I've never heard of before. And every so often, you know, I would throw out one um, like Depeche Mode, you know, which was on the alternative side, but had gotten pop success. And so like, oh, wow, there's a lot to learn here, you know. Um, but, you know, but they were, they were still really welcoming, um, you know, for, you know, me, uh, being the, the more top 40 minded guy, the more chart oriented guy, uh, you know, coming in with that side of the music thing. So, yeah, I, I have a very similar recollections of, of getting to know, uh, new music, but I want to go back to your experience comparing Bryant's radio station and the mm-hmm. Hofstra radio station, because a lot of people from our era uh, or eras and, and maybe a little bit before would say, well, you know, the place, you know, that was kind of a dump or it was in the basement or is down the, down the hall from the ramp. And you came in like, no, this place is 
pretty great. And and I love that you ran down all of those offices down the hallway because I was, I was mentally picturing each one uh, as as you were doing that. So you were you were fairly impressed with the state of Hofstra Radio when you got there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, coming from, you know, that, yeah, that basically student run, student it, it run more as like a student activity more than anything else station, um, you know, coming down to Ho- Hofstra, uh, you know, seeing people, you know, over in the, the little, the, that little office with those reel to reels and people are like editing tape, you know, because they're going to put something on for a newscast. And then there's all these people, you know, in the office and what do all these people do? You know, because I was, uh, all I was exposed to was, Oh, you come in and you do your shift and you leave. And that was it. And maybe you'd produce a promo or two here and there. So, Hmm. and that was all that, that I thought it, you know, that I, that I would initially see. And then I'm like, Oh, well there, there's so much more going on here. Um, And then, you know, of course, going to the on-air studio uh you know the on-air studio also had a you know just an announcer booth attached to it um and then there was the two other production studios that also had you know the 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 you know the announcer booths where we would set up mics and you know the uh i think was it two track was you know pretty big yeah um and you know i was like wow this is really cool this is not just you know this is this is the real this is the real thing you know um you know not just a play radio station where people are just doing you know just doing stuff for fun uh this is really you know this is the real thing so 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 you show up and you've got your fcc license and Mm -hmm. presumably like you said they fast-tracked you to get on the air do you remember anything was there um an announcing course or did they run you? How did, how did they get you prepared to go on the air? So I think for like the engineering part, I think that they just kind of, they took me in and, you know, uh, they took me in the studio and I think that I just got trained right in the studio um, uh, with whoever I think, you know, decided to do that. I don't remember who, but they basically, because, because what they would typically have done was, um, there would be an engineering class, which was, you know, the nuts and bolts of this is how you use the board and all that. And then I think there was an announcing class, which was this is what your responsibilities are when you're an announcer. And, um, you know, you had to, you know, and if you're just uh, doing the news announcing, this is where you, you know, you get your news copy and all that stuff. So I think that that was so they kind of uh, almost bypass the announcing stuff hmm. for me um but i did obviously train in the in the on-air studio um for the engineering part um uh and then um i don't remember who the the person in charge of that was um but they i don't think it, it took very long for me to get approved to get on the air um uh, and I'm and they had me, if I remember, go into the two track studio and do like a sample, you know, demo kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I don't think I was I think I was on the air probably within like the first two or three weeks. Hmm. Um, do you remember your first time getting on the air, presumably a classic slot or something else? It was probably classics from Hofstra. Um, I don't remember all of the details of it. I probably have a cassette of it somewhere uh, in my attic. Mm-hmm. Um, b- 
but um you know a lot of people would say you know uh have said that they're kind of they were kind of nervous or whatever and i was not because i had done this already i had done a you know uh a, a year at another station basically and so it was it was not really you know that big of a deal to me to to hop in i probably was more nervous about mispronouncing a uh uh, you know, a classical composer's name that I was about like, oh, just being on the air, being on the air. I was comfortable with that. It was, oh, wait, I'm doing classics from Hofstra now? instead of just playing whatever I want, you know. Hmm. Um, so that was probably more where I was nervous about that stuff. And of course, uh, I don't think my first semester at Hofstra, I had a Jeff class. Um, so I was probably nervous about, Oh, who's that guy in the corner that, that Jeff guy is, you know, is he going to call on the, on the hotline to tell me I'm doing something wrong kind of thing, you know? Hmm. Um, um, you've mentioned Jeff Krauss a few times. Who were some other people who were helpful in your early days or someone that maybe you listened to on the air and you're like, Oh, Hey, that sounds really good. Or I want to do something like that. As far as people who were helpful, uh, Tim and Butch, obviously in the music department, um, were up there. Um, uh, Jason Levy, I think, was at the station at the time. Jason, I think, kind of came and went, but and, and came back. And I don't remember the whole, you know, the whole timeline on on that. But um, I'm pretty sure that Jason was pretty helpful. Um, and Jason sounded good on the air that I remember Jason had, you know, that, that, that somewhat deeper voice. Um, and you know, he, he definitely, from what I remember sounded like that, you know, sounded good on the air. And it's like, Oh, he's, you know, these, these folks, you know, they mean business. They're not just, you know, messing around on the air. Um, and then try to think who else, um, Kate Kulig also was there for that, that year that I was there. Um, and I remember her being pretty helpful. Um, I don't really remember like trying, wanting to like emulate anybody who was on the air, um, that I, that I can recall. Hmm. Um, but it sounds like you got pretty comfortable at the station pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah, um, definitely. Was, was so so it's pretty i mean in terms of being at the station it sounds like you made some friends and some connections pretty quickly and getting on the air it sounds like you're pretty comfortable pretty mm-hmm. quickly is there is there a moment that stands out or was it just sort of like this is where i want to be it was really a this this is where i want to be kind of thing um i i really just felt like oh i found my tribe kind of thing you know um, you know, I'm in the music department, we're getting new records, we're logging new records in, I get to see, you know, all the new releases, this is really cool. Um, oh, they get bi- billboard and they get radio and records, and I'd never seen radio and records before. Um, you know, and wow, I could read all about what's happening in radio and radio and records and that, you know, and we're getting, you know, and, uh, you know, doing, you know, dealing with stuff like that. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just like eye opening um, coming from what I came from, from where I was. And, and getting actual vinyl records in actual magazines that that takes me back to to a 
particular time that just that those things don't really happen anymore. Everything's on a, yep. on a digital level. Mm-hmm. So that, that must've been neat having those physical artifacts and the mail coming in and ripping open those boxes. That must've been fun as a new student to, to be able to work with uh, yep. Tim and Jeff there. Yeah. And you know, it was always like a, a thing because Tuesday was new music day. So um, records would kind of trickle in, but we would actually um, walk over to the mail facility on campus um, to go get the records. Um, because if you waited for them to bring the stuff over, then it would just be, uh, you know, days and days by the time they got those, those things over, they didn't have this, any sense of urgency on getting uh, that stuff over to the station. So we would walk over and you had to take two or three people uh, often to be able to carry all of the records mm-hmm. that we were getting, you know, so we'd walk over and the guys in the mail facility knew, knew us because they knew every Tuesday we were, we were there, you know, and we would go other days too, but definitely Tuesday was like the big day and we'd go over there and he'd come, come back with like, you know, a huge stack of records in those big, in those boxes um, you know, cause they had to pack them a certain way so they wouldn't break. And, you know, some days, you know, you've got like a three foot tall high, uh, you know, uh, stack of, of records coming in. That's so cool. Um, when, once you got acclimated, you know, you said earlier, your music taste was more towards of a, like a mainstream rock kind of thing. Once you got sort of on the air and cleared, what was the first show that you really were like, I want to do that? Maybe the jazz show or airwave. What were you looking forward to doing? Um, you know, I really hadn't gotten a lot of exposure to a lot of that music on airwave. So I was like, Hmm, is this airwave thing something I want to do? So I I don't think I went for airwave right away. Um, I definitely remember doing uh, just jazz um, and I I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was fun to play that music rather than doing uh, the classics for Hofstra. Um, So I remember that I proposed a show um, and I think Jason was the program director that year. Um, for my sophomore year and I proposed a show where I would play new music, but it would all be in the top 40 genre. So I might play something completely new from an unknown artist, but it wouldn't be like in the new, in the new wave alternative side, it would be more on the pop side or on, you know, the rock side. So, Oh, we got the new Billy Joel single. Let's, let's have a show that you can play all of those before any of the, the, the commercial stations would get on that stuff. And Jason just said, eh, I'm not sure if we want to do that. And so, but at least I was, I, you know, I, I put it out there, um, you know, to, to possibly do something like that. Um, and once I got acclimated and started hearing more of the new music and listening to airwave, then I was like, nah, I think I want to do an airwave shift. I think that would be cool to do that. So, um, so I, I think in my junior year, is when I started doing the airwave shift. As we look back through these memories, we have the obvious benefit of hindsight and you can mm-hmm. look back and say, these are the people that matter to me. And these are the people that I'm still in touch with. And, and this is what it means to me now, but can you put yourself back in your shoes when you were 19 and transferring in and you're showing up on that first day of classes and walking in the office? And what did you hope, that Hofstra Radio would be for you at that moment? 
I think I just hoped that it would be like a career launcher, you know, because that was, I was like, no, this is going to be my career. I'm going to work in radio and this is what I'm going to do. I think that's what it, what I thought it was just going to be. Uh, I didn't really think about all of the relationships and all the people that I would meet and all of that stuff. Um, because my previous experience was, oh, you come into your shift and you leave. And I'm like, oh, I'll get to know all that stuff by going in and doing my shift and leaving. And I'll get to, you know, and I didn't realize all of that behind the scenes stuff that actually happens at a radio station. You know, uh, it, it didn't even occur to me all of those other pieces that that happen. So, uh, you know, so I just figured out oh, I'll just learn how to be on the air and I'll be able to go to a radio station and be able to work there and. Uh, that's pretty much all I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Um, Rob, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your time. And uh, I know you've got more stories and, and I look forward to having another conversation sometime. Cool. It was great being on. <laughs>